0: This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Hosting a daily morning podcast show is taxing on both the mind and the body, especially when it comes to loading up on carbs, sugars and other unhealthy breakfast foods. So I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have discovered my new breakfast of choice, Magic Spoon with its zero sugar 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in each serving magic spoon is healthy and delicious cereal it's keto friendly gluten free grain free soy free low carb and gmo free and it comes in four flavors cocoa fruity frosted and my own personal favorite blueberry. Magic Spoon, cereal that tastes too good to be true. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code keenon at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash keenon and use the code keenon for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. Hello, everybody. It is December the 30th, 2020. This will be the last interview show of the year. It's been quite a year. You don't need me to tell you that. Quite a year for the show, too. It's been a kind of journey, and in particular, I think, a journey around America. A journey trying to figure out this country which seems to be in such catastrophic decline on so many fronts, not just COVID, economics, Black Lives Matter, capitalism. We've had a number of different conversations with authors who have written books about journeys in America, literal, metaphorical, journeys which they've made, journeys in time, journeys in place. So I think it's particularly appropriate to end 2020 with one of America's greatest journeyers, storytellers, and narrators—the winner—the uh, winner of a Pulitzer Prize for his work, uh, Dale um, Dale uh, Maharidge—and I hope uh, that's a good uh, Maharidge, Dale. Um, Just a you know. it's the author of, of many books about America, as I said, uh, a book called Journey to Nowhere, which uh, won the Pulitzer Prize I, oh, or, uh, uh, and, uh, and their children uh, after them won the Pulitzer Prize. Journey to Nowhere is an iconic book. He has a new book out and this time Dale is not pulling any punches. He never has. But this book is particularly brutal, stark and um, and uh uncomfortable reading even the title is is rather uncomfortable but uh it's his title so i'm allowed to read it uh it's called "Fucked at birth recalibrating the american dream for uh the 2020s uh dale why did you choose that title
1: well i was quarantining here in san diego with a friend earlier this year and after a few months we went out to the desert and uh we needed to just get to get away it just we were cabin bound and we came across this abandoned gas station out out in the de- in the desert and there was an american flag on the front uh, uh which just captivated me it was a faded american flag and when i walked in the door there was that graffito fucked at birth and the juxtaposition of the flag and the and the graffiti uh it pretty much culminated what i've come to uh just I, This place, 40 years ago, I started documenting America and and working class people and poor people. And it's at a point where people are scrawling on the wall, fucked at birth. And what does it say about that person? And I wondered who wrote this? Uh, And in this time of pandemic, with the economy going in the tank for so many working class people, and mostly people of color are suffering, you know, does this... I want to go around america and I, I i decided to go across the country and show that photo of the cover of the gas station and the graffiti inside without saying anything and ask people what what does this mean to you and that's and i went to a homeless camp in sacramento i was at people living out of their cars in los angeles i went across a navajo reservation uh, black lives matter leader in denver uh, through the midwest where there's a young uh, latina activist uh, helping her parents with Smithfield Foods, because they were having very unsafe conditions for COVID, to Youngstown, Ohio, which is a, a bellwether place for me. It's an industrial uh, destroyed city, to New York City, and I ask everybody, what does this mean to you? So that was the genesis of, of, of the book and the title.
0: Well, we'll get back to that journey uh, in the book, and it's a very short book, but you cover a lot of ground. Let's go back to that image. For people listening to this, you're not going to see the image uh, there are photos in the book but dale has been very kind to lend me the photos and he's not only an iconic writer but his books have always featured uh, prize-winning photography as well dale who took these photos was it you or was it your your your, your photographic accomplice
1: i've worked for years at michael s williamson i've done five right. with him no, I, I basically Professor Williamson taught me how to become a photographer. So basically, I'm channeling Michael, but no, it's me with my with my Android phone.
0: Wow! So these are Android uh, photos that they're, they're, they're stunning. So so you you go to this gas station, and for people watching, you can see this photo, and you see this. You call it graffito, I call it graffiti. Fucked at birth, and you say uh, when you saw this, it's time to change the song now. Dale, many people will know you because uh, you inspired Bruce Springsteen, which is quite an achievement. Uh, and when you say time to change the song, what was the song and what is the new song?
1: Well, you know, for years, I've done very patient telling of people's stories in the hope of uh, affecting change. And a lot of other writers I know and respect have done the same thing. And, and it wasn't so much Changing the song, but changing the approach. And that's when I really decided I was going to use the title of Fuck at Birth because it's I wanted it in your face. Now the book, I don't I don't think the book, I don't hope it's not strident. I still am telling stories of people, but we have to start looking at what's going on in this country. And and it's where it's like the same songs been playing in the honky tonk for 40 years. People are just talking and drinking and not paying attention to the lyrics, which have been telling us, you know, we're on this road where people. Many people I interviewed felt they were fucked at birth. Uh, and that's wrong, that's, that's against what this country stands for. Uh, we should all start with a level play, playing field. And the rich have gotten richer, the poor poorer. the pandemic is only gonna exacerbate that. So this is kind of a, 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 a very literary battle cry. It's not a, a Strident book, but it's a battle cry. Let's look at what's going on. Let's look at working class people. And let's finally do something for them instead of just for the rich people
0: Dale, it's more than this thing's been going on 20 or 30 or 50 years it's been going on as a century you get you, the first stop on your 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 trip is uh sacramento and you show a photo from dorothea lang from 1936 the american River Camp north of downtown Sacramento. Again, for people listening, you won't get to see this image. It's one of Dorothea Lange's most iconic images. And then you show up 90 years later with your, your iPhone. And we have really sophisticated technology, but nothing much has changed. The photo you take of the American River Camp north of downtown Sacramento in 2020 is just as bleak, just as depressing. And it seems to me, Dale, and I don't want to put obviously words into your mouth, and you certainly won't let me, that this is a book about the 20s and the 30s, 2020 and the 1930s and the comparisons and why nothing indeed has changed in America over the last 90 years. Uh, you, You say at the beginning of the book, you always challenge your students, your journalism students at uh um at Columbia, when they're writing a piece to answer a central question was that the central question in your book the 20s and the 30s
1: absolutely well you know the the 30s in and enabled at least for a little while for some americans some some um, um sharing of the wealth but but in the 1930s before the new deal uh you saw those camps now i reported in sacramento for many years and uh, I went to the exact same spot where that photograph was taken to take my photograph. It's within uh, uh, yards, not not very far away. It's along the, uh, the American River, along the levee there, uh, to see that scene a hundred years, almost well, eighty years later. Uh, uh, we're coming up on on this, this these all these anniversaries, and and that to me is evidence that that something has to be done, and. We have to look at what FDR did in the 30s and expand upon what he did in uh, uh, the New Deal Congress. Uh, I don't think we're going to get that with unless the Georgia Senate race goes the, towards the Democrats. And even then, I'm, I don't have faith in the Democrats doing what needs to be done. We need a new New Deal. You can call it a Green Deal, uh, whatever you want to call it. But we need something that gets people working, that gets people housing, uh And so a lot of what has to be replicated is what happened uh, with the New Deal in the 1930s and more, because that New Deal didn't really help a lot of things. It didn't give us national health care. It didn't help people of color. Uh, African-Americans still had a very difficult time in the 1950s, which were very good in general for whites. Um, So we have to go more than what happened in the 30s. And that's really the, the, the message of the book.
0: It's the message of the book, Dale, Um, and and you're clearly and unambiguously and proudly a a polemical writer. You're not just doing this for fun or for artistic pleasure. You go back to some of the books written in the 1920s. The the most famous, of course, is uh, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men by James Aggie and Walter Evans. Uh, But uh, you also talk in some detail about uh, a book by James... Uh, Rorty where life is better the role of the writer then hasn't changed either has it um, uh, has it Dale do you see the challenge and opportunity I guess for non-fiction journalistic political writers like yourself in 2020 as being similar to the 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 James Rortys of the 1920s
1: I hope so. Now, you know, some journalists are, are are going out and doing very good reporting, both at the, the national newspapers and, and authors. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that, but the whole point of us doing this is to create awareness, uh, uh, to, to get people thinking about the other side of the tracks. Uh, you know, I live in uh, much of the year in, in New York City in Manhattan and the Upper West Side. And there's people who are very liberal who have no idea. What's going on in these places, these camps? Uh, they're they're kind of clueless. Uh, I have a very dear friend, who who told a, a a writer for a national publication, a journalist, that everyone should have five thousand dollars in cash on hand for times like COVID. And you know, half of Americans don't have four hundred dollars in the bank, according to, to statistics. So uh, you know, people are kind of disconnected. Even if they're well meaning, they're disconnected. So our job as writers is to show uh, and to to reveal to the world what's going on. And that's been my, my mission my entire working life.
0: And, and, I, and, I, and as I said in the introduction, um, we've had a number of books like yours this year. I don't know if you know Kerry Arsenault's um, Milltown. Uh, it's actually a, an excellent comp- compliment to your book. Some books have talked about Ohio, uh, photography books about the death of the American dream we talked about. And another book, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, The National Road by Tom uh, Zollner. He's another Southern California based writer. Oh, of Well, Oh, excellent. Well, you're, you're, you're obviously part of the same club. One of the things that Tom wrote in his book, which I loved is, he said the American con and, and he's very strong on photography like you, the American concept of geography has undergone a powerful shift. Place is less important than it has ever been to those who can free themselves from it, yet more important to those who aren't able to leave it. And I think, in the spirit of Tom's book, your book is about people who are imprisoned in geography. And your your friends on the Upper West Side in New York, of course, uh, if they're unhappy, they'll fly off to London or Paris or Los Angeles, but much of America is imprisoned by an increasingly uh, dystopian geography. Is that fair? I, I think so. Because I, back
1: in the 1980s, when I did the book Journey to Nowhere, I, I rode the rails with the new, the new hobos. And they were piece- basically, a lot of them were industrial uh, steel town guys who were looking for work. It was very much like the 1930s. And they had hope. They were going someplace
0: to, to find a job, to find a better life kind of like James Rorty found in 1936. And that's what inspired Springsteen, that book, to to write some of his songs for um, uh, Youngstown. Yes.
1: And so, uh, but today, in my journey for this book, you don't hear that anymore. People don't believe life is better. The people who are on the road are just desperate and wandering, or they're nomads uh, uh, who are just, um, uh, like my friend Jess, Jess Bruder's book Nomadland which is now a new movie they're they're doing Amazon warehouse jobs and they're living uh, uh, basically hand to mouth uh, uh, but they don't have dreams that it's going to be better for themselves
0: uh, and the, the geography you describe is one of, uh, of, uh, of uh, an appalling homelessness yeah? you come across a woman called Twena James in, in Sacramento who has built a house out of uh, leftover stuff. Tell me about Tuana James and why she is so symbolic of, of the current crisis in America in 2020.
1: She's the, the de facto leader of a homeless camp called the Island in Sacramento. It's a bunch of more older people who separated themselves and created this camp encampment. Probably about 80 dwellings and I call them dwellings. They're really just shanties or or just tarps uh, over, uh, over sticks. Uh, and she's outfitted it with most of the stuff you see in the picture, for those of you who can see the picture, uh, from dumpsters, there's stereo, there's a fan, there's a TV in the background with a, a young woman on a show on it. Uh, uh, everything came from dumpsters. Uh, and she uh, cooks for the, for the people at the camp. And to me, it hark- harkened to uh, the Grapes of Wrath, that's camp that John Steinbeck got, uh, wrote about. It was, it was a real camp in Wheat Patch, California, a new deal camp where they basically formed a collective and they, they basically have separated themselves into a, their own community with their own rules. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, uh, it's very enterprising and it's, she's, it's an incredible thing that she does, but is this the future for a lot of people who would be evicted because of the pandemic? Uh, we're going to see a wave of evictions this year. They keep putting moratoriums on, but, but moratoriums are only delaying the payday. You have to still pay the rent back. If you don't have a job and you owe $6,000 in rent, uh, oh, my gosh, there's millions potential who could become homeless. Uh, And that's that's really scary. And and so we're going to see camps bigger than the Great Depression. I mean, it's
0: more. Yeah, it's more than scary, uh, Dale. It's it's profoundly outrageous. And it and 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 the dystopia, which. Hollywood and, and, and many writers have imagined has finally arrived. You see it in some ways in Los Angeles outside a, a food bank called Shower of Hope. You you, you describe uh, uh, beautifully, you say nearby, skysc- nearby skyscrapers in the financial district loom like a dystopian backdrop for a film conjured by the combined genius of Philip K. Dick, William Golding, Frank Herbert and Margaret Atwood have dick and golding and herbert and atwood's world has it have that has it arrived in actual fact
1: absolutely we I, I i apologies to all dystopian novel writers out there but we you know right about the present we're living in a dystopian novel
0: it's like uh, i remember after 9 11 someone did a review of of, of the DeLillo book about 9 11 and said that DeLillo struggled to describe something that he had imagined so uh, I guess for the for the Atwoods uh, and the Philip K. Dicks of the world, I, I don't know what they would make of this world. I mean, Atwood, of course, is still alive. Right.
1: No, it's it's uh, it very fee- it feels very much like two worlds. You see, when I was there in that parking lot, I talked to a woman who was working working uh, for DoorDash, uh, who's making money but couldn't afford a, a apartment. And then you look at that. That's the financial district of Los Angeles for uh, uh, in the background of that photograph and. And that tower in the background cost over a billion bill, a, a trillion was a billion dollars, whatever, it's a huge amount of money. And and uh is uh, these two worlds, but the, the rich world doesn't see the poor world, but the poor world, poor people are looking at that like this Oz-like apparition.
0: And that's right.
1: America right now.
0: It's this ontological fragmentation of, of two worlds that are incapable of even seeing each other, you know, all this would be bad enough without COVID, but of course you do your trip and I, I guess I, it's symbolic, you know, uh, the original American idealist traveled from east to west, you travel from west to east and all this would be bad enough without COVID, but of course you you travel in the midst of this terrible pandemic which is affecting poor and homeless people and people of color uh, much more than the wealthy. Um, here we have some Im- images of, of COVID signs um, in, uh, in, uh, in Nevada, Arizona. What is your sense of the impact of COVID on, on the crisis that you've been describing, really, for, for all your professional life? Well, in
1: one way, it's unmasked it. And another way, it's it just exacerbated it without, you know, people seeing it. So we, we're, we're going to see visual vis, pictures in the coming year of people becoming homeless. So it's going to be visible in a way, but it remains invisible. And the people who are going to be affected are, have been invisible. So this is not going to be some people are going to say this is a new phenomenon. Uh, we're going to see, um, you know, all these these tent cities and everything. And it's they're, they're there now. They've been there uh if you go to san francisco or los angeles you, you've seen them um and, there, and 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 the question is it will it's it's unmasking it it's exacerbating it the question is in the 20s will we do something like a new deal in 30 in like we did in the 30s to help at least try to help these people or are we going to continue to ignore them and there is no ignoring them and i've written about this in other books i i've traveled to to Latin America and seeing the the, the the rising walls in El Salvador for the rich behind hiding behind them you're seeing the same thing here and when you but you can't escape you you want to live in a country where you have to live behind walls to be away from the teeming masses who you're afraid of that's not America
0: and that's only but it really- is I mean for better or worse Dale it is America at the moment or that's what America's becoming um, you also write and you have written throughout your, your, your professional life about racism and, and, and black America. Uh, you go to Denver and you experience Black Lives Matter. Um, you, uh, uh, you, um, you talk to Terrence Roberts, uh, who's one of uh, Black Lives Matter's uh, activists in Denver. How do you see the Black Lives Matter movement and the issue of race playing in the America of COVID and this increasing inequality?
1: I really hope Black Lives Matter continues because it, to me, Black Lives Matter uh, is, is, is at least getting at some of these issues that have affected the African American community. Uh, not just as Terrence tells me, it's, it's the violence against African American communities is profound. And that's, that's the number one goal and, and need for BPLM, but also the economic injustice. It has to, he thinks it has to be expanded to look at economic justice as well. Uh, so you have to have a, a bifurcated look at that. And, and he was very heartened by how many, and it's other uh, leaders I talked to, how many white people are coming out to Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, uh, so maybe there is awareness going to come out of BLM that, that actually will create justice for people of color. Uh, and then uh, maybe also economic justice, which is when you could talk about economic justice, that's, that's something that has to go across the spectrum for Latinos, for Asian Americans, for everybody. Uh, so uh, to me, I see it as a, a connected to what has to happen, very much so. Uh,
0: one of the things that struck me about writers like you and Tom Zollner is that you live in more than one place. Tom lives in Southern California and on the East Coast where he teaches. Uh, you live in New York, but you wrote this book from Southern California, where you're speaking to me now. And you never have another place, Tom, that you call home, uh, a place called uh, uh, Denison in, uh, in, in uh, is it Nebraska? It's Iowa. Oh, sorry. Um, I apologize. Uh, Iowa shows my, my coastal ignorance there uh why do you call dennison home and what did you discover going back home to dennison here we have another image of of uh of something from denton which is near dennison uh in nebraska but dennison is home for you in a symbolic way what's so special about dennison for you uh t- uh dale
1: i uh did a book in uh, about 20 years ago uh it was about a small town in america and i picked dennison iowa 8,000 residents, 3,000 Latino. 10 years before, there were no Latinos. It was a meatpacking town in town. And I went, I moved there for one year, and there was a conflict between the Latino community and the white community, and I, I immersed in it.
0: This is a meat town, right? Is that a
1: fair way of describing it? Yeah, pork. You eat pork, you might be eating Dennis and Iowa uh, pork. Uh, and uh, I have a Paul Bowles uh, view of home. It's kind of like we're, all, we're travelers, I'm not tourists. And I, I sort of go from place to place. And this place I lived for a year and got to really know it and understand. And again, the middle people in the edges of the country don't understand. The middle is also conflicted that a lot of people in town wanted to embrace the white people wanted to embrace the Latino immigrants. They saw it as salvation and helping the town. The, the, the Latinos were becoming integral to the community. Everybody did not want the Latinos evicted. Uh, there's a man in the book, Nathan Mark, the former mayor, who was very much in the camp of we have to, we have to welcome these, these newcomers. Uh, so you can't typecast the middle of the country, and you can't typecast all uh, Americans. I really do think that most Americans want an egalitarian society, at least a level playing field. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't believe that. And so I, I, you know, I continue on kind of like The Boats Against the Current from uh, Fitzgerald's uh, novel, uh, hoping that that is indeed true. And I I believe it's true. Uh,
0: As I said at the beginning, um, Dale, you are um, well known. I actually came across you originally because of your association with Bruce Springsteen here. Again, for people not able to see this is a photo of you and Bruce. Um, and uh, it is said that, uh, and, I, and I think that um, Bruce acknowledges it in his Born to Run autobiography. He wrote, Youngstown and The New Timer were two songs inspired by a book called Journey to Nowhere by my friends Dale Maharidge and Michael Williamson. Both songs chronicled the effects of post-industrialization in the United States and the waste and the weight of lost jobs. So I think it's appropriate that the the final leg before New York of your trip is back to Youngstown, and uh, rather ominously you entitle that section "I'm sinking down." Here we have uh, one of the more cheerful images, actually, of a of a of a of a, of a, a menu from a diner. What's Youngstown like, Dale? It's
1: if you, drive, if you were to drive in the Youngstown right now, you'd see well, kind of a Midwest city. You wouldn't really see uh, too much. A lot of you know, some rundown houses. But what you don't see is the the fact that 50,000 jobs were lost. There's probably 30,000, 40,000 houses that have been torn down and beautified. They have beautiful meadows now where houses used to be. I go there and I see what was. And what you don't see is inside the houses, the opioid addiction level there is off the charts um people are basically numbing themselves and as one professor told me they're basically erasing themselves uh the third generation of steel workers so many of them are are, are basically living in desperate poverty behind these right borders. and
0: for those people not able to see this i've actually combined two photographs from your book one of youngstown steel an image uh and then uh, an image a very depressing image of 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 of, of somebody uh, putting uh, some heroin together, so drugs dominates Youngstown. Is that right, Dale?
1: Well, people in Youngstown are going are to kill me, but it, it dominates a certain sector of Youngstown, which is a large sector of the, the Lordstown plant. You know, the latest blow was the Lordstown plant closing a year ago. The GM plant just outside of Youngstown. The good jobs continue to go, and no jobs of worth. Really are coming in to replace them, and so what kind of hope can you have if you know you're going to get string together two or three part-time jobs? Uh, uh, I interviewed a, a, a security guard a couple of years ago in Youngstown. He's making seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. I mean, he was supposed to arrest me for trespassing in this uh, abandoned factory, and he said they don't pay me enough to arrest
0: you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't get paid for that. You, you, as, you, as I said, I, I, uh, your no, work was popularized right, by, right, by uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, who uh, wrote Youngstown and your song is to Nowhere. nowhere. That I didn't change anything. Can change this.
1: I don't know. I just like, you know, I do think I do like to think there's change. Okay, Bruce's song took our book and it reached millions, and, and the rock band version of Youngstown is mind blowing. And I still get emails from people who, who I got an email from about, a, about six months ago from a guy who said, you know, your book changed my life. I started doing homeless outreach. I left, my I left my job. So I know I've, so I know I've defend individually. Collectively, um, you know, I'd like to hope that there's impact, uh, not just with Bruce fans, but with the larger body populace. And there, again, most Americans, I don't think most Americans want to see people suffering and and having a two-class society, you know. Yes, some people are are that way. Some people are unfeeling, uh, uh, but there it has to be a, a political will to do that. And we need politicians who who can harness that anger and energy. I, I look at uh, uh, you know uh, AOC and and other politicians who are coming along who are are harnessing that energy, and Bernie, Bernie Sanders. I'll confess, I voted for Bernie in the primary in California. I'm a Bernie dude, and I'm an AOC dude. Uh, They're out there, and they're people. And I want to see that element of the Democratic Party basically go back to the fundamentals of the Democratic Party of the 1930s and be Democrats. And that is, let's push for things that help working class people. The Democratic Party sold out to the to the wealthy in the Clinton era. Uh, I want to see that that DNC gone. I want to see a DNC that supports candidates uh, like these people who want to make change. Americans, there's a fear that Americans are, are that's seen as leftist. That's not leftists. That's humanist. Uh, helping people better themselves is not a left or right issue. It's a human issue. It's an American issue. And that's what I would like to see happen.
0: Well, if you uh, want to read uh, about America today, fucked at birth, recalibrating the American dream for the 2020s by Dale uh, marriage is is really a central reading. Dale, uh, the only problem I have with the book is that recalibrating seems to be the wrong word. I I, I would suggest maybe blow it up or, or rebuild it or something. Recalibration sounds something you get done at the dentist. Um, that's a minor a minor concern. Excellent book. Very quick, sharp, disturbing read. I know you are in uh, San Diego, just close to that gas station where you saw the original uh, graffiti that inspired the book. Uh, what else should people be reading, Dale, in these strange times uh, uh, in late 2020 or indeed early 2021, in addition to your book?
1: Oh, Tom Zollner's book, as you mentioned, for sure. Uh, Jessica Bruder's Nomadland, which is now a, a movie with Francis, Francis McDormand. It really captures the soul of what's going on in this country. The director, Chloe Zhao, really interpreted Jess's book in a, in a beautiful way. Then I would go back to history and look at The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, Past his prologue, some of the nonfiction writers of the 1930s. I would recommend Louis Adamick's My America. Which is out of print but i, I think i think it may be uh, available online for free uh, really powerful book so the past and the present th- those are the books i would look
0: yeah i i i think i i uh, i had uh, the adamic book in in this image well uh dale i hope that uh, 2021 is is a better year for all of us than 2020 uh, certainly for america's homeless for its underclass for everyone affected by covid I wanna wish you a very happy and healthy new year. Uh, And I hope to have you back on the show in 2021 to talk more about the biggest story of all, I think, in the early part of the 21st century, the American story. Yes, I'd love that. Thank you. You've been listening to Keynote, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism. Make sure to visit us at lithub.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would also help too. Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez and the team at Lithub Radio. See you next week, and thanks so much for listening.